to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I am one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I'm joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. We are the people your parents warned you about. (laughs) (laughs) First, hi to everybody, and we're going to light a cigar, and then I've got to explain the behind the scenes of why we're here recording today. Okay. This may, it makes me so happy. But first, we are the week of Halloween. We are. So it'll be it'll be long past Halloween by the time this episode actually goes up. But it was yesterday uh, at time of recording. And uh, one of the things I've noticed about growing up is that I don't have any any pretense about going out or, or doing I just went home early. I was in bed by 10. And it felt awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm like to be more connected to that because I used to, I was a Halloween professional. I actually had two costumes because I could run the neighborhood twice close to my house and make better use of my precious trick-or-treating time than spreading out into a farther radius. That makes sense. So, and they were always cheap enough. I'd just have two Halloween costumes. There you go. And also nowadays I've stand, set out in my driveway by the fire pit smoking a cigar and my wife gives out candy. The winner of this year's costume contest, Pirates and Ninjas. Pirates and Ninjas, huh? You know, two years ago it was all superheroes right. and then we went through a little burst of clowns and then clowns kind of went out. And now this year it was all Pirate and Ninja. I don't know what was up with Pirate and Ninja. There's no telling. Although I, I can understand with everything that happened earlier this year with the clowns and scaring people. I can understand why that maybe wasn't as popular this year. But it was, I, you know, I was even a little disappointed in myself. I didn't even dress up for work this year. Um, I guess I, it didn't feel like I could top what I did last year. So I don't know. But it was it was a very lackluster one for me. Well, let's hope your cigar is not. Why don't you tell us what you're smoking tonight? So I'm actually really excited. In in the spirit of Halloween, as it were, you've actually brought me a treat. And I've mentioned it on the show before, and you and I have talked about it at length. I've never had one of Tatuaje's Monster Series cigars, ever. Uh, price point and availability have always been the things that have gotten in the way of that. I've never been a curator of cigars. You know, the people that seek out the rare and special. It's never been... I, I, I enjoy what I find in, in any given humidor at a time. And so I've never been one of those that seeks out the ultra rare and ultra special. Um, and so I'm really excited to smoke the Kruger. And so this is from, what, two years ago? Tw- oh, 2016. 16, yeah. So okay, last, so last year. So this is last year's cigar. It's a Mexican San Andreas wrapper with Nicaraguan binder and filler. So it's what I smoke on the show pretty much weekly. Um, it's a seven and a quarter by 48 box press torpedo. How's that for what? <laughs> That's everything put all together. It, that is a very unique shape and size of a cigar. In fact, when you handed it to me, I couldn't believe it. It's long and square and it's it's very very interesting but i guess i mean knowing tatuaje as i do i wouldn't really expect anything less from them well so that's one of the cigars i won in the monster game last year and we had all smoked a couple of them beforehand and everybody said they were young they tasted like they needed a little age on them so when I won that box, I put it in my humidor, and I did not crack that box until October 15th of this year. Oh, wow. So they aged for one solid year in my humidor, and it really brought that cigar to life. I really enjoy that cigar. I'm glad that I've got like seven left. 
There's a little bit of sweetness at play here. A little bit, but the sweetness comes more from age. I've noticed that when a cigar goes sweet, it usually goes sweet with age. Rarely ever do they come out of the shoot sweet. Right. They're usually going to start bitter and and mellow out. Uh, in fact, I had a cigar recently that was a new release from a from a company that got a little bit of that. And uh, so that was just on the cold draw. I'm really intri- intrigued by this. Uh, I cannot wait to get it lit up and see what, it, what it's going to be. Uh, which uh, cigar did you bring this week? Okay, so we did have the monster game here at Crown Cigar Nails. And Jay Drescher won it. And Jay's a great guy. If, if I couldn't win it, I'm glad it was him. And he um, gave me one of them to smoke tonight because he knew I wanted to smoke one on the podcast. Because last year... Here at Crown, they got like five boxes. This year, they got two boxes, and if I hadn't have called Austin and said, hey, set one of those aside for the Monster game, we wouldn't have had Monster cigars. So I, by hook or by crook, managed to get a Michael, which is the 2017-year release, that's a Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. So it's a different wrapper. It's Nicaraguan binder and filler, six-and-a-half-inch long, 52-ring gauge, just a a good feeling cigar in the hand now this is the wrapper real oily i mean that wrapper i see that i mean you can see it shines in the light real oily wrapper those that have smoked it before me said real leathery but i don't know i'm going to make my own judgment upon that one critic pretentiously said it finishes with hints of marzipan (laughs) that's all you're going to be able to taste now you know that right i couldn't i if you beat me over the head of a marzipan i couldn't tell you what it tastes like (laughs) i don't don't, nothing good i'll tell you that i can guarantee you today is the first day in my life i've ever used the word marzipan and you've used it more probably in the last hour us talking about it than I've ever in my life. I'll guarantee you I have probably used it more in the last 30 minutes than I will for the rest of my life. That is absolutely true. But I'm going to try this, and hopefully I will get no marzipan, whatever <laughs> that is, seems to be. Stale almonds is pretty much what I consider marzipan to taste like. So That sounds lovely. Some people love it. I think it's I think it's kind of like the cilantro thing. Some people t- thinks it, think it tastes great. Other people think it tastes like soap. I think marzipan is one of those that you either love it or hate it. So you've got a very evolved palate when it comes to food. There's a lot of times we've been eating and you just don't eat certain things, bologna, things like that. Right. And uh, where do you stand on tiramisu? One of God's greatest gifts to the planet. Okay, good. It's, yeah, it it's, I'm all about some tiramisu. But speaking of, of kind of the whole Evolve palette. I got to tell you, I had a first experience Monday night. So I love Thai food, always have. And I usually go, um, I usually go the curry route when I'm in a Thai restaurant. I haven't eaten Thai food in a long time, but I went out with a buddy of mine on, uh, on Monday and had pad Thai for the first time in my life. And the only thing I could think of while I was eating it was why... I, I, I've got 30 years to catch up now. I have got so much pad thai I have to eat now to make up for lost time. It is one of the most... It, it jumped into my top five favorite dishes overnight. That's, Are you Thai food fan at all? No, not at all. Do you like spice? Um, I like I like spice, but I like more the Mexican-type spiced food or Cajun-type spiced food curry is not my friend i do not care for curry yeah 
I want the chili spice. I want the jalapeno spice. I want that sort of thing. Yeah. Curry, not my friend. Not yeah. something I'm going to participate with. Oh, see, that's I'm I'm in heaven all day long on that sort of stuff. But that's, I mean, so speaking of flavor and and palates and tasting things like that, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit tonight because we've talked um, a lot uh, in early episodes. We talked a lot about you know pairing when it comes to beverages and foods and things like that with cigars. But what we haven't talked about is pairing drinks with cigars. Um, with an emphasis on, on uh, beverages that are non-alcoholic. And this was actually a listener suggestion by um, Alex. Alex Acosta, mm-hmm. I think, on our Facebook page. Um, congratulations, Alex. You will be receiving the Oliva Ashtray in the mail, so we'll reach out to you and get your details and have that headed your way shortly. Um, but it's one of those things that when I saw a suggestion, um, I, I really appreciate it. People talk about pairing with cigars quite a bit. And usually it's bourbon and whiskey. And, and I like the fact that he specified non-alcoholic. Because that's something that I think applied, that I think hit really close to home for me. I don't know if it did for you. Well, so we had a lot of great suggestions. Thanks to everybody that suggested. And we'll probably use some in the future episodes. But this one really struck a tone with both of us. Because we're so different when it comes to alcohol. Um, I'm the kind of guy, if I never had another drink, it wouldn't bother me. If I had two or three tomorrow, it wouldn't be a big deal. Uh, Just not an issue in my life. Alcohol doesn't hold a real special place. My wife can't drink because of some medication she's on, so I don't drink much. I just, it's not something I engage in, and I'm um, I'm just cautious of it. I've always been cautious of it, and I just don't enjoy the taste a lot. Yeah, I mean, you've said before that you've, you just don't like beer, and it's just never been something that, that graced your palate. You know, it was something that you never enjoyed. Well, um, I, I'm very, very different in that regard. Um, I like alcohol probably a little too much, and or used to. Uh, so one of the reasons that this made such an impact for me is that I've made reference to it on the show, but I've never really actually came out and talked about it as the fact that um, on June 2nd of this year, uh, I made the decision to get sober. Uh, I have had a, a love affair with alcohol for about the last decade. Uh, pretty much drank my 20s away and was on a, a real clear path of destruction. Was starting to, it was picking up steam to the point that um, I'll just tell you, I was drinking eight to 10 drinks a night, every night. Um, whether I'd come here and have a few beers uh, with a cigar. Or go home and drink half a bottle of bourbon, or you know, eight or it. It, it was a daily and nightly thing, and um, I've got to say, if it hadn't been for um, this one particular person in my life, who I value her opinion more than most, um, you know, it, it's funny when you think about those conversations. You think about how hard it is to hear that. Hey, I think you have a problem with alcohol. I honestly think it was probably harder for her to have to bring the conversation up. And I am so grateful and thankful that she did because we had this conversation where she said, I think you have a problem. And it was really eye-opening for me because I, I've been thinking for years that I had a problem with alcohol, but I didn't know what to do. Um, I didn't know, I thought I was hiding it. I, I, I didn't think it was impacting my life. I didn't think that it was noticeable to other people. So... You know, when when someone brought it to my attention and said, hey, this is an issue and I think we need to address it, 
it, it hit home. You know, I, I, I talk about, you know, I've got some friends who've been sober for a little bit of time and I've got, you know, and I've been around people who've made that decision. And one of the things I used to always ask them because I was always curious because I knew it was something that was coming down the road for me either sooner or later, hopefully, um, was, was that moment of clarity. And I think that's, that's what this was for me. So, um, as of, as of tomorrow at time of recording, um, I'll have hit five months sober and it's been, it's been a really incredible journey and I'm so much happier now. And I've got to say, you know, the, the big things was being able to listen um, when when that conversation came up, took a lot of. It was tough. Well, I'm not going to hijack your story, but I'm hijacking your story. Um, this was also when you say her. So many of our listeners are going to assume this was someone who you had an intimate relationship with or a close relationship. This was a professional relationship. This was. It was, and and that made it all the more important to me. My my job, my profession has always been. Uh, you know, and my professionalism, I guess, has always been something that I hold in very high esteem, um, something I'm very proud of. And so to know that it was creeping into that arena in, in some regard was probably why it had the impact it did. If it had been a girlfriend or a friend, it probably would not have had the impact it did. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was someone I have, uh, I know in a professional sense and and like I said, someone who whose opinion I value very, very highly. And so, but I've got to say, you know, being able to make that, that decision at that moment was, it was not easy. Uh, and, well, and one of the interesting things is, you know, you immediately picked back up on your triathlons and your running came back online. Just the, the changes in you I've seen just from this side of the table have been unreal. You know, you take a little more time with your dress, with your hair, with your 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 clothes and all that are a little neater, a little better pressed, and you spend more time running and spending time with the dog and spending time with the daughter and all of those things. I mean, it's really been a great change in your life. Yeah, I mean, I'm not waking up hungover every morning. You and you're also not that guy. You're not the guy that at the, when we're all sitting here at the cigar shop, if there's six people at the poker table and five of them got a beer in their hand, it's not a big deal to you. Right. Uh, and, and I think it's because I'm one of these people that when I jump into something, I jump in with both feet. And I was like that with my drinking, and I'm also like that in my sobriety. And so it's failure is not an option for me. You know, I won't accept it. I've, it's, you know, it, now granted, I... I want to be careful here because it, I'm using the word I a lot and I have to be very, it's, you know, I, I want to make sure and hit on the fact that I absolutely could not have done this alone, certainly without the person bringing up the conversation to begin with, but without the support of uh, my family and friends like you and everyone, just building up such a great um support system. I got into a recovery program and I'm um, working with a group of people that I've met there. And it's just, you know, it's, it's not something you can do alone. It does truly take a village. Well, you had to slip Hillary Clinton in there, didn't you? It was such a wonderful thing till I, till I heard something Hillary said. What was that? 
It takes a village. Been, the hippies have been saying that about child rearing since the 60s. Uh, you can't give that to her. Uh. Okay, so let's move on to something happy then. Well, I wanted to, so let's, let's talk, so, yeah, let's actually talk about Alex's suggestion. Let's talk about pairing a little bit. So, and, and that's kind of why I brought it up. So I just, you know, it, it really hit home for me because it's something that I'm, that I'm thinking about more because, you know, the first, you know, 20 episodes or so that we did of this show, I would, I would have a beer or, or some type of beverage, um, alcoholic beverage every, every episode we recorded. And so it became something for me of, well, what do I replace that with? that I'm going to get that you know, the same level of enjoyment out of. And for me, when I think about pairing uh, drinks with cigars now, it's, it's coffee. I, I find you know, I drink coffee with my cigars probably more than, more than anything else. It, and it's really, I think it, what's, what's funny about that to me is that when I, when I choose a drink, it's, it's always something it's, let me start and do that in English. <laughs> I'm not sure where I was going with that. So I smoke a lot of full-bodied cigars. You, you and I both do. What's been interesting to me as I've started getting into really thinking about this a lot more is that I also drink really strong coffee, uh, French press, black coffee. And I found that the strength of cigar I normally like doesn't necessarily pair well. It's like the two strong flavors are competing with each other. Uh, and I mentioned, you know, about a couple of months ago when I started falling in love with that Oliva O or the Oliva G. I can never remember which one's which. Um, it's the O. The O, the Connecticut. I, it pairs so well with coffee. It's a great morning sit on the patio, you know, get your day started kind of, kind of thing for me. Well, coffee, if I drink coffee and I don't drink it often, I may drink a cup every week would be a big week for me. And all, but if I do, I always drink it bulletproof. I always take Kerry's Irish Gold grass-fed butter, and I melt it down into my coffee in lieu of creamer, and then I put honey in there to sweeten it and have the bulletproof coffee, and I enjoy that. But I, by and large, don't get to smoke much in the morning. So usually, usually by the time I smoke, the earliest I'll smoke a cigar is 1030 or so. So let me ask you about that, because I've never done the bulletproof coffee, and I've, I never sweeten my coffee at all. Is that? Have you had the opportunity to pair that with a cigar at any point? I haven't, okay. because, like I said, that's an early morning thing. Generally, if I have a cup of coffee, it's when I'm at work, and I was here too late playing poker and smoking cigars the night before, and my pre-workout's just not been enough to get me over the hump. Gotcha. You know, I have my pre-workout every morning, and it's got like 350 milligrams of caffeine in it. <laughs> Because I'd be interested to know if the the little bit of added richness from the from the butter and the sweetness from the honey, if that would change what would be the best cigar to go with it. Because you and I smoke basically the same strength and, and flavor of cigars, so I, it would be I'd be curious to know how that changes. Well, and if I am going for a ten thirty a.m. smoke, it's usually an undercrown shake. It's usually something on the very light side of the spectrum. But now. Something my wife and I drink a lot of tea. As we've been going through this weight loss thing, we've been moving toward teas. I gave up Cokes a couple of years or so ago. And uh, because I used to love Coca Cola Classic, I would drink it. I drink five or six a day. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And, uh, and when we gave up those, we both started drinking um, hot tea. 
And Yeah, we're in the South. You have to specify hot. Yeah, <laughs> definitely hot tea. I love sweet tea, don't get me wrong, but that's another. We'll get into that in here in a few minutes. <laughs> but I love my tea. We get it from Tivana. It's the Samurai Chai. Um, the great thing about Tivana is you can order the strength of your tea by the amount of caffeine in it. One time I ordered their strongest caffeinated tea, went in the store and picked it up, brought it out, set it on the hood of my truck, truck cranked. <laughs> so really good stuff. I knew I was in for a good time with that tea. I'd have to, I have to wonder, do they, do they put extra caffeine in? I don't think of tea as being inherently naturally that caffeinated, at least not compared to, say, coffee. Well, a black tea or an oolong, something like that, will definitely have more caffeine than, you know, yeah. the fruity teas. My wife drinks the fruity treat teas, which have a lot less caffeine in them. And, you know, it's funny. So I, I'm a big fan of hot tea as well. And I tend to, it's black tea usually that that I drink. And w- what's funny about that is it contrasts with the coffee I drink is I was taught to drink tea by an English woman. So I put milk in my tea. And so even though it's that little bit bolder, usually a chai, it the smooth the, the richness of the milk, I, I tend to enjoy that more with like a Tennessee waltz or something with a San Andreas or an Ecuadorian wrapper, something a little bolder. I find that those pair a lot better. I'm granted I don't know if you're anything like me, but I am in for such dry mouth when that happens. Like, tea gives me a little bit of a dry mouth. As long as I've got the honey in it, it don't bother me. Yeah, I guess If that's... I try to drink it without the honey, it tends to. And I'll end up, the reason I sweeten everything with honey, if you don't know, those out there that don't know, honey is low glycemic. Whereas many things will spike your blood sugar, honey's already been digested, so honey is super low glycemic. So if you eat a banana, you're going to be hungry in 30 minutes, but you can have a teaspoon of honey and you won't have that blood sugar response, that insulin response. Hmm. See, I guess I just, I just don't sweeten anything. I mean, I think the closest I come to drink, well, the, the closest, uh, the only sweet thing I really drink is maybe, maybe 12 sodas a year. I mean, I just don't drink soda a lot. I don't, especially as it pertains to you know, pairing with a cigar. I don't think anything carbonated goes well with cigars. When you were drinking Cokes that, that often, did you find that it enhanced your experience with your cigar? No. Um, when I quit Coke, I noticed my palate got a whole lot crisper. Mm-hmm. That I was actually that heavy, sugary, syrupy Coke was dulling my palate. Even now here at Crown, we keep they keep Sprecher root beer on tap. And Sprecher root beer is a fire-brewed root beer. It has no caffeine in it. They keep it on tap. They serve it to you in a chilled glass. Now, I love Sprecher with a cigar. I got one sitting here in front of me now. And you have for the last, what, 12 weeks? Well, since we started recording here, every week you've had one. Yeah, strictly speaking, I shouldn't have that sugar that's in it. I should be drinking water, but I enjoy a good root beer. Of course, I've always loved root beer. See, root beer is one of those things that I've never enjoyed. It just it tastes kind of like toothpaste to me. Interesting. That's a, I've never heard it compared that direction. I mean, obviously, not. It, there's no mintiness, so it's not that. T- it's like that uh, that crap toothpaste that your dentist gives you. It's that flavor. Well, and then also, my wife will do ginger ale. She's also a ginger ale drinker. She enjoys that. I don't enjoy ginger ale near as much as I do root beer. But if we're gonna have a sugary soda, it's usually gonna. And I would recommend out there if you're looking to pair a sugary soda with your cigars, 
go root beer, go ginger ale, go something that's just got a light hint of flavor. Yeah, ginger ale. I, ginger ale I like, but only on a very rare occasion. And it kind of, as as far as going with cigars, I, I run into the same thing. That carbonation, I just it tempers my palate a little more than I'd like. Okay, I know you're a coffee snob. Yes. Best best coffee blend and cigar you've ever had put together. Uh, when we get back from this break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the tease. <laughs> Can that man tease a topic or what? That's right. Well, <laughs> let's let's step away for a minute while I think about the answer to that question, and we'll be right back with more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. One of your hosts, Shane Reeves, sitting here across from Trey Dedman. Welcome back, everybody. So tell me about the Kruger. It's really good. Uh, the sweetness I was getting on the cold draw is definitely not showing up once it's lit. And that's not a bad thing. Um, you can definitely taste the age on it. It's It's got some leather to it. That's kind of a hallmark of the monsters. I've had the Jekyll. I've had the Hyde. I've now having the Michael. I've had the Kruger. The Michael, by far, is the most leather. The fellow that told me that they had a lot of leather was right. A lot of leather and even hints of pepper, but not overpowering. Yeah, I'm not getting a whole lot of pepper out of this one. Uh, but but that's not a bad thing. Usually you expect that out of a San Andreas wrapper, but I'm, I'm, I'm not getting that. It's just a really nice... It's burning really well, very smooth, uh, or very slow burn, cool burn. I, I, I'm really enjoying it. How about yours? Very good. Really enjoying it. Um, burning fast. I mean, you can see it's smoking quite a bit faster than what a cigar usually smokes in my hand. Yes, usually we smoke down about the same rate, but you're you're well ahead of me at this point. Yeah, I'm over half a cigar down. Yeah. And all, and, the, and it's just a good smoke. It's got a real good, I would love to see these on the shelves all the time. This would be a go-to cigar for me if they were on the shelves 365 days a year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this... I mean, for price point being, you know, notwithstanding, I, I, this is a fantastic smoke as well. And I can understand if, if they're all, I mean, they're all not going to taste like this, but if they're all in, of the same quality, then I, could, I can kind of understand the fervor. How's the physics of the Bach Press Torpedo for you? It's drawing a little tight for me. Uh, that's, I, I'm not a big Torpedo fan, but so it's it's drawing a little t- it's also 48 ring gauge so it's smaller than i'm used to smoking so it's just it's but i don't think that's I, I definitely don't hold that against the cigar i think that has more to do with just what i'm used to than anything else yeah and you you know you smoked a padron on the way here so you have that draw that's like sipping through a straw exactly you know padron best draw bar none absolutely hard to beat a padrone draw even the magnums even the long ones have that silky smooth draw Mm -hmm. but coming back okay we're talking about pairing cigars with non-alcoholic beverages and you're about to tell me your favorite coffee and cigar pairing so this actually happened a couple of years ago we were on the camping trip that i'm that i just got back from the annual trip and and about two years ago we were sitting around it was really cold and rainy and what we do, we actually cook and do everything over the fire when we're on that trip. And one of those things is coffee as well. And we use a percolator. Now, most people, especially my age, 
don't even know what percolator is, but it is some of the best. If you like bold, strong coffee, it is the best way to make coffee. And But part of the reason I love it so much is because I only get it once a year. So two years ago, it was cold, wet, and rainy, and we don't normally make coffee in the afternoon when we're on that trip. It's usually just a morning thing, but because of the weather, we decided to. And so I was sitting around the campfire smoking a A.J. Fernandez Enclave. Very with, good smoke. With the um, with per- with black. Uh, it's uh, Drew's Brews was the coffee, uh, brewed locally here in Nashville. And it was just, it was probably the best, most complimentary. Because A.J. Fernandez, all of their cigars are so spice forward. And so they, um, it just, it paired so well with that cup of coffee. So someone going out, say they're picking up a cigar today and they want to pair a cigar and coffee. What do you recommend? What's something readily available that somebody could go out tomorrow and enjoy? Oh, uh, that is so, I mean, you know, we talk about other people's palates you know, as it applies to cigars and coffee is every bit as complicated, if not more so. For me, if, if that's what I'm thinking of when I pick my cigar, if it's in the late afternoon, kind of like it is tonight, I'm thinking probably an A.J. Fernandez New World with just a latte. I, th- I, I think that so the the little bit of steamed milk you get in the latte tempers some of the spice that you that if that's a little bit too spice forward a cigar for you which it is for a lot of people uh, like I said AJ is known for that but never more so than in the new world it's probably got it more than any of his other stuff uh, but I think it's tempered by the milk a little bit and I think it, it provides a nice pairing that you could any day of the week no matter what town you're in so one of the best tea and cigar experiences i had was at the golf course and it was a tournament and they were letting us smoke out on the balcony which is unusual usually they won't let you smoke anywhere in the clubhouse but this was the old boys club yeah and so we were all out there and the old members there if you told them they couldn't smoke they'd burn the place to the ground (laughs) But we sat out and we had Arnold Palmer's. Now, if you ever never made an Arnold Palmer, you need to make an Arnold Palmer. See, I'm just not a fan. Oh, I love Arnold Palmer. But the trick to the Arnold Palmer is really good lemonade. You've got to have excellent hand-squeezed or handmade lemonade. So none of this country time concentrate powder no. stuff. No, if it comes out of a soda fountain, don't put it in your tea. It's not good lemonade. All right. And all, but a perfect combination is three quarters tea, one quarter lemonade. Sweet tea. Sweet tea? Sweet tea. Depending on how sweet the lemonade is, you almost need to try a shot of the lemonade before you mix your palmer. But that makes sense. The you want it to be that perfect color, that kind of rich or almost like you're pouring new oil in your car, that color is really the color you want your Arnold Palmer to be. Interesting. That's you're painting quite the word picture there, Shane. I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, and it was after a long day of golf. I had an undercrown shade in my hand, my standard golf cigar. Fired it up, had that Arnold Palmer. We had just got through having a good meal. It's as good as it gets. Sounds like it. Yeah, I, it goes back to that sweet thing for me. I, I just I don't drink sweet tea. Uh, even if I am, I don't drink a lot of iced tea, but when I do, it's, it's unsweet. 
Well, it's all it's always interesting as you go back through that. It was the other interesting thing as I was researching this topic. Dr. Pepper kept coming up as pairing with cigar. I've never paired a cigar with Dr. Pepper, but I, it kept coming up. I have uh, because I mentioned those twelve sodas a year I drink, and it's it, when when I do, it's always Dr. Pepper. That's the only soda that I enjoy. Um, so much so that, in fact, when I was living in Waco in college, I actually lived across the alley, not even across the street, across the alleyway from the Dr. Pepper Museum there in, there in downtown Waco, Texas. So I'm, there you can still get it on the old school soda fountains where they actually have to pour the syrup and then pull the, the, the tap handle back for the carbonation and they mix it. Oh, man. Can't, can't beat it when... Really can't. When the fountain is done right, it's hard to have better Coca-Cola. The fountain has got to be right, though. They've got to have that right syrup to carbonated water mix. Mm-hmm. Now, moving forward, first, thanks to Alex for sending us the suggestion for the show for something near and dear to our heart. Thanks I- to everybody that gave us suggestions. And we'll be, we'll be moving on through some other suggestions, too, I'm sure, as time goes on. But Alex will be getting the Oliva, my, the Oliva ashtray very soon. And I'm very excited. I wish you'd pick somebody local. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do one of those if it fits at ship's flat rate boxes, because I don't want to ship that on weight. <laughs> and I actually um, ran into it at the cigar shop one night, a short story I have to tell. I ran into a cigar, a guy at the cigar shop who was actually a jewelry maker, and he would go to South America to find these, you know, rare stones and all that to make his jewelry, not gemstones, but just stones for accent pieces and things such as that, and he used the if it fits, it ships boxes, so he was literally, I'm sure the postal service had to raise stamp rates because right. of this guy, because <laughs> he was sending boxes full of rocks home. He was exploiting the... <laughs> Could you imagine if they had had those back when the GIs were shipping Jeep parts back home? <laughs> you heard the MASH theme in the background. That's right. <laughs> Makes you think of that. And also, this week in cigars for me. Been an interesting week in cigars because I was sharing some experience with a younger man who's just getting into the cigar hobby. And he was telling me a story. He said he was at a club. And it turned out to be a lot seedier club than he thought he should be in. <laughs> and he was in the walked into the bathroom, and there on the diaper genie were two guys dissecting a cigar in order to stuff it full of some other substance. Ah. And he said, I wanted to rescue this cigar. He said, this was a good cigar. He said, this was a Perdomo. This was a nice cigar. Oh, wow. And they had a knife out, and they were chopping it open, and they were pulling and all that. And I had to explain to him i said the reason they were using a nice cigar because he said i would have gladly bought them a box of swisher sweets they could have ruined but long filler tobacco is why they were doing that so the difference in long filler tobacco spanish it's actually called um hold on a second i had the definition right you you lost it huh tripa t-r-i-p-a Okay. is actually the Spanish word for long filler tobacco. And what it means is they basically have rolled the leaf into the cigar the full length of the cigar. Premium cigars are almost always long filler tobacco. And I think that was part of the language that was rolled into the FDA bill as well. When they when they changed it from dollar amount, one of the things that they put language in was hand-rolled long filler, I think. Yes, and 
The chopped tobacco, also called picadura, that's what you find in your machine-made cigars. Mm. That's where you'll find those in your Swishers and your Old Henrys and your cigars such as that mm. is going to be just a finely chopped tobacco, where this is long filler tobacco. It's an integral component of a quality cigar. And we actually dissected a fake Cuban in here about a year ago, I think it was, and for, and kind of discovered that same thing. We, we found the, the short filler in there as well. Right. Yeah, it was full of the picadura. We knew it was a fake, and we really wanted to cut it open and find out. We were just cutting it open for for intelligence-gathering purposes, and right. we weren't on a diaper genie in the bathroom. <laughs> so that's a, that's a distinction that probably deserved to be made. <laughs> yeah. But it was interesting getting to talk to him because he didn't understand long filler tobacco. He had never had any experience with it. So it's always interesting when you get to pass something like that on to another human being. Yeah. So our definition of the week this week by way of a long story about a seedy nightclub is long filler tobacco. <laughs> and also, what's your week in cigars been like? What have you What have you smoked that blew your socks off this week? So, well, since we last recorded, I was at an event recently at Reserva Cigars up in Nashville because uh, Sean Hardiman, the local general rep, was doing an event up there, and that shop is five, ten minutes from my house. So if I'm ever not going to make the trip all the way down here, that's usually where I go. And they had uh, Jack Taranio with him. And I don't know if you guys have seen the new Taranio, and I say new, it's been a couple of years since they redid the whole Taranio line. Um, They've got bands that look eerily similar to the Camacho line. Uh, So they're bold colors, black and... Um, big wide bands and, and they've got um, the, a purple, a yellow, a blue and and green mm-hmm. and so I went over there to, to do that event with him or to hang out and actually fun story is that was the first time I'd smoked a cigar around my girlfriend so she knew I did the podcast she knew I did but that was she was starting to tease me about the fact that I, uh, she was beginning to believe I was lying about how, how much I smoked because she had never actually seen me. So we went over there together. It was a really wonderful evening. But the cigar, I had the, I've had the purple now uh, and, the, and the green. And they were both really, really good cigars on their own right, in their own right. But what was even more impressive to me is that the price point is below $6. And that just, I mean, I even, I looked at Sean when I saw that, I said, You're, that can't be right. And sure enough, and they come in, you know, Robustos and Toros. I mean, they've got full, full size lines. In fact, one of the ones, even they do a six by 60. And they're just really fantastic cigars. And I mean, if, if you're looking for a budget smoke, a good, like a, a lunch smoke or a golf course smoke, it'd be perfect for that. Toronto is one of those cigars that I've smoked three or four of in my life. Um, They've never disappointed me, but they've never made the list of, okay, I'm going in this humidor looking for them. See, I've smoked a couple of boxes worth of the Exodus line, and I've always really enjoyed them. My my palate outgrew them a little bit for a time, and then it got to a point where once they they sold off to General... Uh, I, I stopped seeing them as much, and I wonder if they just kind of got lost in the catalog a little bit. So I'm really excited to start seeing them around a lot more because it's one that 
again, similarly, it doesn't really blow my socks off, but it's always, it goes back to my, it goes back to my, uh, my Starbucks rule. Starbucks is everywhere. It's never going to be the best cup of coffee you've had, but you always know exactly what you're getting. That's how I feel about Perdomo. That's how I feel about Taranio as well. It's like, it's not going to blow my socks off, but I know exactly what I'm getting, and I know it's going to be the same every time. The consistency means a lot to me. And so I really enjoy uh, that line of cigars for that reason. Well, also, the night that we recorded last, um, Sean actually came in here after we were finished for the podcast, and so did Kyle from Drew Estates. That was fun getting to see the little turf war between the... Well, I think every time two cigar reps show up at the same shop, they should have to arm wrestle, Indian wrestle. Um, you know, not every shop, ours does, but not every shop has a, you know, kiddie pool full of um, chocolate gelatin they can wrestle in. <laughs> but, I, you know, ours does. So I think they should have to have some sort of a contest to prove their worth to their brand. See, that's the way I feel whenever I see the FedEx and the UPS truck parked outside of my building. They come at work. They they come around at the route the same time, and I always feel like there should be some type of like fight to the finish <laughs> for superiority and dominance when I see that happen, or at least racing at the red light. At exactly. least both of them revving their engine, getting ready to take off. <laughs> but Sean, I'm joking. Sean and Kyle are both great guys. Yeah, and no. I've got to say, it says a lot about the shop that both of those guys came in here not in their capacities as reps but because of what a good shop this is you know if if you're if your local brick and mortar if your home shop is a kind of place that you see reps after normal business hours you're in a good place because i can tell you from my experience on the road i would always save my favorite shops for the last call of the day because then i'd hang out for the rest of the night yeah, and they weren't trying to say anything about each other's cigars. Everybody was smoking what they enjoyed. And the thing is, you know, the cigar industry is is such a small, close, tight-knit community that there's really no room for that type of, of bad-mouthing and that type of, like, competitiveness and, and pettiness. And you don't see it very often. And what's even better than that is it's also, while still being a close, tight-knit uh, community, there's something out there for everybody. And so the person that likes your cigars is still going to like the other cigar, the guy's cigars, and they're going to buy both. It's not like there's only room for one. Yeah, and Austin's done a good job here. You know, at the grand opening, we had both Kyle here and um, Sean was here, and Tri- or Sean wasn't here. There was someone else from General here. Yeah, it was someone, I, I don't remember. Yeah, someone else from General was here, and Trip from La Flora Dominica was here. Right. And all, and Trip is just a great guy. Absolutely, I think he would definitely win any arm wrestling competitions <laughs> that went on amongst the reps. And all, when he's not smoking cigars or selling cigars, he's definitely in the gym. Right. <laughs> but just a, a great to see that community. The cigar community is a gentleman's pursuit. It really is, and I, I you know, the the reps. Anytime you get the opportunity, I always enjoyed doing multi vendor events. Uh, as a rep for an accessories company, I, I never headlined my own event like cigars tend to. And so I was always doing it with one or two other cigar reps. And those are always so much fun, even as a consumer, because there's just so much going on. There's a different energy with those multi-vendor events that I always really, really enjoy. Well, and it's like you said, um, you know, I'm a huge Drew Estate fan, not your favorite cigar. Mm-hmm. And all, and you're, you know, anything from my father's factory, and you like a lot of Crown Heads stuff, which is, Crown Heads is not my favorite cigars. Right. 
And I know there are some good crown heads out there. I do enjoy the Waltz. I do enjoy the 17 Las Calaveras. Right. But not necessarily going to be my first cigar I reach for every time I go. Exactly. And that goes back to the fact that you're, you're, you and I have such a similar palate as well. I mean, we like the same cigars. It's just the little nuances from one company or the other or the little differences that, that you know, hit my palate differently than yours. So this weekend, I'll be leaving. When y'all are hearing this, I'll actually be at the Louisiana Barn Smoker. We'll be in Convent, Louisiana. Convent, Louisiana is basically where the Mississippi River empties into the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, wow. And so we're riding down there Friday, and we'll be at the event Saturday. I'm very excited. We're going to learn about Perique tobacco. I'm really jealous of this because when I smoke my pipe, which is not as often as I'd like, but... Perique is the type of tobacco that I like. So I'd be really interested. Do you know if they're actually putting it in any of the cigars or are they just going through the experience? It's in the Pappies and it's in the Loraton. And I've never had a Loraton, but it's, it's in the gift basket this time. Oh, so fun. I'll get to try one of the Loratan and then there's all the Pappies in the gift basket also, which the regular Pappy Van Winkles we smoked, I know neither one of us were impressed. No, it, did, it didn't blow me away. I'm interested to see how once I get down there and see the process, because when you go to these barn smokers, they walk you through the process. You're at a farm where they're actually raising the tobacco. And it, the pappy didn't blow me away, but I'm interested to see if understanding the process helps me to enjoy that cigar more. So, and maybe we'll have to talk about this when you get back, because I wonder how much different the Louisiana process is from the Kentucky process. I do, too, because you're talking about a more humid environment, you know, a vastly more humid environment. You're also talking about, you know, the Cajun cuisine is so much spicier. It's going to lead to a different kind of palate down there. Right. And they're going to grow and cure and cultivate that tobacco towards that, probably more so. Well, and the pappies are actually aged in whiskey barrels. They're bundled up and put in whiskey barrels to age Pappy Van Winkle barrels. Are they really? Oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't get any of that flavor coming across on it. See, I didn't either. I just, I wonder if the pappies we had were, were old or were they too young? I don't know. I've got one seasoning in my humidor. I was under the impression that it was just meant to be paired with it. I didn't really, I, I was thinking for some reason that they hadn't been aged like that, but... I don't know. I guess I, I could be wrong on that. Well, it's going to be a cool experience. If you ever get a chance to go to the Barn Smokers, there's one in Connecticut, one in Florida, one in Kentucky, and now one in Louisiana. The Florida one, I was there at the first one, and it was one of the most interesting experiences because I got to hold tobacco seeds in my hand. That's pretty cool. And they take you out there, and they do primings there, where in Kentucky they stalk cut all their tobacco. Which was kind of the biggest takeaway for both of us at the one that we went to a couple of weeks ago. Was the, the, I didn't realize there was a difference, and so it was kind of... I, I enjoyed seeing that part of it as well. Super interesting. I'm really looking forward to the trip. I'll have a full report when we come back and tell everybody all about the differences. So, I have a question for you. I had a very frustrating experience this weekend. Do you know what a Chicago screw is? No. Okay. Chicago screw has a pole in the middle and it screws in from both sides. It's used in leather working. Horse bridles have Chicago screws. I went to Home Depot. I was making a sheath for one of my knives. I made a knife this year. First knife I've ever made. 
and I'm going to skin a deer with it, so I needed a sheath. So I was making a sheath for it, and I said, well, I need a couple of Chicago screws to hold this in place while I stitch it. Went to Home Depot, and the guy at Home Depot says, I said, I need Chicago screws. He said, what's that? I said, well, it's a screw of a pole in the middle. It's got a male end and a female end. I never heard them called that before. Okay, what have you heard them called? Well, not Chicago screws. (laughs) Okay, genius working at Home Depot when you're 60. Please explain to me how you can know I'm wrong if you don't know the right answer. (laughs) It was the most frustrating. It was actually so frustrating, I put what I had in my hands down and drove to Lowe's. Really? He was so sure that they were not called Chicago screws. And I wanted to show him the 20 leatherworking videos I've watched on YouTube where they all talk about Chicago screws. But it was just, it was a very frustrating experience for me. If he'd been in a cigar shop, we wouldn't have had that problem. That's right. He probably wouldn't have been so overcome with arrogance. I will say this about the cigar community. Generally, if they tell you something, they have facts to back it up. Rarely ever do you find the blowhard in the cigar community. Well, either that or they're really good at Google. Yeah. Yeah, and with, the, and with the era of Google that we live in, that shouldn't be difficult. Right. But he was certain that I was wrong, even though he did not know the right answer. Very frustrating. Well, do you have a cigar under $8 for us this week? I do. Thank you. I almost let us slip through a show without remembering that. Now, this is one that we don't talk about often. We don't talk about Macanudo very often on this podcast. Um, I like Macanudo. But it seems like Macanudo is not carried as widely. They're not carried here at Crown. Do they carry them at Reserva? No. I don't think he... I think Tarano is the first thing he's brought in from General, honestly. Uh, You know, Macanudo, when I first started smoking cigars, was the most widely... um, or most... uh, the, the biggest cigar in the country. And I feel like they've lost some of their their stranglehold on the industry over the past few years. I don't know necessarily what led to that. I've always found them a little bland for my taste. Now, I like the Macanudo. This Macanudo Maduro, um, Aficionado is ranking it mild to medium. I think it's a little better. I think it's definitely medium. Really? More medium. Not full, but definitely on the high side of medium for me. I don't think I've ever had anything from Macanudo that I would classify that way. The, the, what we're talking about tonight is the Macadudo Maduro. It is a Dominican Republic binder and filler, and then it is a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. Okay. And Connecticut broadleaf, you don't find a lot. You find a lot of Mexican broadleaf in San Andreas, but you don't find as much Connecticut broadleaf out there on the market. Well, broadleaf is one of those that you just don't see a whole lot of in general, uh, regardless of, of, you know, I, I think, I don't know, when I think of, when I think of a broadleaf wrapper, I think of Connecticut broadleaf. Well, the Macanudo in this size, I'm looking at the six and a half by 42. They're $7.69 each right. MSRP. So they fall under the $8. And it's definitely, if you're in a shop that has Macanudo, it's worth spending a few minutes and picking one up. Excellent. And, all them, and this is just the straight Maduro. This is no fancy pants names. This is no fancy sizing this is just a good meat and tater cigar for the average cigar guy. Speaking of which, I was in a, a foreign humidor the other day that I'd never been in before. It was, uh, it was late. The regular cigar shops in, in town had closed, and so I was at one of those like discount tobacco shops that had a small little walk-in humidor. And I saw a CAO Gold Maduro for the first time in years. 
I wonder if that's one of the general CAO Maduro's it was or if it's the old days. It was, it was the general CAO's. That was why I didn't pick it up um, because I remember the, the original, but this was a brand new full box, so I knew it had to be general. Well, when, when General took over CAO, there was a huge dip in the quality of CAO cigars for me. Um, the La Traviata was always a great cigar to me, but as soon as General took it over, it seemed like it lost all its complexity. I, I feel like they've gotten a lot of that back, though. I, I used to, you know, I've been smoking a lot of General stuff lately, or a lot more. You know, the Anaconda, I, I was really impressed with. And, you know, this new Tarano I've been impressed with. And, and, you know, I think they're bringing a lot back to the cigars. I think the <clears throat> days are gone where they're sort of a punchline for a, a buyer of brands. I think they're really putting some energy and some, uh, some impressive innovation back in the cigars under their umbrella. Okay, so tomorrow, or Friday, excuse me, I have an eight-hour ride down to Convent, Louisiana. What's a good ride smoke I should carry with me? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, I know you're going to carry at least a shade. Um, I've always been a big fan of my father in the car. Because that spiciness, I think, like, since you've got the windows down and you've got a little bit more air moving, I feel like it takes you can, you can handle a little bit bolder cigar than you maybe would at the same time in a different environment. So I, I really enjoy anything with real... I, I'm always full body in the car, although I will say the uh, Padron 4000 is an excellent co-pilot. Yeah, that's a great road cigar. When I look for a road cigar, one of the things I'm always going to look to is construction because there's going to be a lot more manipulation of that cigar driving and hanging out the window and things like that than what I'm standardly going to have when I'm just here at the shop relaxing. Right. Yeah. So I always go a little more um, rigorous on my construction of the cigar. So I'll probably pick up at least one Padron Magnum to carry with me. There you go. That's pretty good for, and there's nothing better than an autumn road trip listening to old country music, mm-hmm. old Hank Williams, old Roy, you know, Roy Clark, all the good ones, and smoking just a great cigar. That's just, it's hard to beat that when it comes road trip time. Especially, especially, you know, driving down the Mississippi Delta like you're going to be doing. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're going to be right in the heart of that, that perfect, perfect area for that type of music and that cigar, and it's the perfect time of year for it as well. It is. Well, I'm about two-thirds done with this cigar. I'm about ready to sit down and enjoy the rest of it. How about you? I think I'm, I've got a little bit more to go on mine than you do, but I think that sounds like a perfect end to this evening. Well, the Monster Series, highly recommend them. I've not had a dud yet. I've always enjoyed them. Um, I actually have a Jekyll and Hyde aging in my humidor, but it's kind of, I hate to smoke them because then I won't have them anymore. And that that's the... That's the problem with exotic cigars is you know that once you smoke it, if it's the best you've ever had, you can't readily go out and grab another one. Yeah, I, I'm definitely, this being the first one I've had, I, I definitely see what all of the, all the fuss is about, you know. So I'm, I'm really excited about this, and I'll have to make a point to try and seek some out whenever I can. I know that there's, this was the last one, right? Or they've got one more next year. 
They've got one more next year. The bride comes out next year. All right. So I know I got to. Uh, the time is getting short for me to enjoy it. I'm sure they'll do something on the on the back end. I'm sure they'll come out with something in its absence in a couple of years. But oh, I'm certain They're, they did the pudgy monster collection, and they've also done the skinny monster collection. So those will be out there. But in the meantime, please get a hold of us: Facebook.com/slash/TheCigarCast. Also on Twitter and Instagram at TheCigarCast. And you can email us, info at thecigarcast.com. And thank you all for listening and joining us for our first 40 episodes. This definitely was a milestone for us and feels like it. Uh, I look forward to certainly 400 more. And just to, to book in the episode a little bit, I do want to encourage, if there's anybody out there that's, that maybe you think that you've got a problem with alcohol or with any substance, whether you do anything about it or not, just talk to someone about it. Um, reach out to me, I'm, I'm young, you know, but I'll, I'd be happy to, to talk talk about my experiences. Um, I think it's, it's something that's really important. It's near and dear to both of our hearts. Um, but I did want to just kind of just kind of put a little bow on that that topic. It's not not something I talk about very often, um, but but I definitely think it's worth having a conversation over. Everyone enjoy your week. Mm-hmm.